Welcome back, everybody, to our first COVID-19 <laughs> episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we do not invite members of the club onto the show, because <laughs> that's not happening right now, <laughs> to talk about a movie of their choosing, uh. or of one of our officers choosing, I suppose. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, or just a sign of the times, because this movie kind of is a little bit. <laughs> it's all on the table. Tragically. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jim Saunders, and joining me are all of our special officer people. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isaac, Stephanie, and Joelle. Ooh. Yeah. We Ooh. invite hey. people, just invite <laughs> virtually. We are yes. not yeah. meeting together. No. <laughs> nope. Not just that clear. We're inclusive. But safely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're isolating. I don't yeah. think I don't think Jay Inslee would approve if we were oh. gathering together yeah. right now. Well, we're all it's five people. Oh yeah, technically this would be a well, depending on yeah. what the phases your counties are in. Like my county's in phase two, but I don't know about your guys' We're counties. in phase we're two. In, we're in two. Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah I'm in two. two. Okay. Everyone's okay. in two except for Yakima, I think. Uh, yeah, Yakima. Yeah, but no one likes uh, Yakima, anyways. <laughs> well, it's sad because them most of the people there are like indigenous. Like, like the outbreak among I think the indigenous community is really bad, and out- Yakima yeah. they don't have medical supplies, and I think that that's why America that, gonna that America. Yeah, America gonna America. But yeah, so connecting to the U.S. is you know, tragic handling of this virus. About the U.S.'s tragic handling of firebombing Japan in World War II. Yeah, yeah. what a segue! What a segue! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grave of the Fireflies, the happiest movie you'll ever see. Yeah, truly, sure. won't leave you in tears every single time you watch it. Watch it yeah. if you're on a happiness high and you want to keep it going. Yeah, if you yeah. need some balance in your life, you know. You've <laughs> <laughs> had a long work day. Exhausted. That was me when I I literally like I came off work and I was like, "Fuck, (laughs) I need I don't have time. More time, so I'm gonna have to watch it now." Mm -hmm. If it was not clear, we're gonna be talking about Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah, which is just the perfect movie to watch in quarantine during this Mm -hmm. time of COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah, everyone's spirits high. Mm -hmm. You know. Holy positive vibes. <laughs> mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, it so it came out, out in 88? Yes. 89 yeah. or 88? 88. 88. Yeah. Directed by Aisao Takahara. It's one of Studio Ghibli's first. I think their first film was um, 1984 Castle in the Sky. What was their first? Yeah. Film? yeah. I think, it was, I think in the it was Castle in the Sky. Yeah. We totally did thorough research. Mm-hmm. You can tell. <laughs> I, I have seen Castle in the Sky. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's been a while since I have, so I cannot speak in a memorable fashion about yeah, it. Can I. Yeah. I feel like I have. I I cannot remember them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I haven't watched any of the Ghibli's in a while. Yeah. I think the last one I remember vividly before rewatching it this week was Grave of the Fireflies mm. I was that in high school so <laughs> I watched Experited Away like a disgusting amount of times like a lot of other people so you know, it's pretty ingrained it's it's fun, like, okay. these movies are so hard to get access to until like recently mm-hmm. yeah, like, no, we I'm, are wrong we are wrong I believe the first <laughs> Ghibli movie it says I have Wikipedia pulled up right here. It says Castle. But in the Castle Sky. in the Sky was released like before Studio Ghibli was like actually established. So like officially, it's not. I think, but a lot of people consider it to be. Oh, I see. I see. Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind came out in 1984. Uh, but yeah. that's but that's um, that's just Miyazaki. Is, did I get a part of Ghibli? Right. But I don't think oh, that was that might be Studio the one Ghibli. I thought I was. Oh talking about. yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're right. You're Boom. right. Boom! I totally researched you're right. these um, things. Ah. Got him. <laughs> oh. As you can see, it's been a while since all of us has actually talked about movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually, you know, we come polished with the facts. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah. we're not quite the, as snappy as we usually are. Yeah, yeah. Well, the brain's <laughs> not firing quite like yeah. we used to. No. <laughs> but no. second, yeah. like Ghibli officially official movie mm-hmm. according mm-hmm. to Wikipedia. I think it, I think that's what awesome. w- maybe where I got confused because I think it, it was one of the first Miyazaki's, but not one of the first Ghibli's. Mm. Hard not to treat yeah. Miyazaki and Ghibli as synonymous. Yeah, yeah, right. honestly, yeah. dude. Speaking of Ghibli, sorry, this is totally off tangent. Have you guys seen like their newest film that they're gonna release is gonna be in three D? Ooh, I know. Isn't oh, Miyazaki going to work on it? Like he oh, came yeah. out of retirement. Yeah, I thought he was like at least producing. I forget. Yeah. It looks so weird. It's like Earwig and the Witch. Oh, it's written by Miyazaki, but not directed. Uh, But yeah. But what makes Ghibli great is that they've always done 2D hand-drawn, so this is going to be interesting. Right, and it always looks gorgeous. There was was so many times where watching this this film, you know, even despite the the very depressing subject matter that I was just like, this is gorgeous. And this came out yeah. in the eighties and this is all hand drawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. crazy. And was damn yeah, and I feel like Ghibli like... has really defined itself. Like you can pretty like without knowing a Ghibli film, I feel like you can easily recognize the animation. The imagery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were like a lot of like, cause it's like the eighties. So like when they were doing like the background, like, images for a lot of it like for the fire they look like fucking paintings Mm -hmm. i mean they can't they don't like move but like they're like brush stroke in a way that looks like paintings and right yeah you just don't see that today anymore yeah also the fire motif in this movie is just like really well done and like the way like the lighting plays out on like said that it's like every time it's like ah I guess we should go over the plot really quick. <laughs> yeah. <that was laughs> we haven't really discussed the plot. Yeah. Okay, uh, I can do the plot. I'm the one who suggested this. Yes. So. Yeah, Isaac. so we had a group chat Isaac. and we were like, <laughs> we were like, what movie should we do next? And Stephanie was like, oh, let's do a Studio Ghibli film. And she's listing off all the like positive ones. Yeah, nice and, the, and, ones. Then, and then Isaac's like, Grave of the Fireflies. So now, <laughs> and now we're talking about it now. Yeah. I didn't think anyone would actually go for it. Like, <laughs> I threw I it mean, out there, but you guys all committed to it, so I guess that makes me happy. I mean, it's very topical. Yeah. I'm glad I have such authority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I don't know. That okay. <laughs> but anyways, anyways, so plot. <laughs> Basically, you have these two kids, uh, Setsuko and oh, her brother, Seita. He's the older one. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the final years of World War II. Their dad is a Navy officer out in the war. Mom is stay at home. But anyways, due to all the fire bombings, their mom ends up dying. And they become orphans because they don't know what happened to their dad. And basically, they have to attempt to survive through the war, um, struggling um, with everyone else. And, you know tragically they don't make it out in the end they starve to death yeah heavy really really heavy stuff mm-hmm. yeah like the movie just starts off brutal and then like mm-hmm. just maintains i think like, that i think that's what makes this film like even like the way it structures itself it right at the beginning he's what's like the first line is like pretty much like i died, I died yeah. here right. yeah yeah, and like then, I died, I died on 21st. September twenty first, nineteen forty five, or something yeah. like that. Good mm-hmm. memory. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I only watched it, I watched it literally two days ago. But yeah, like the way it structures itself as not it's like flash quote flashback style. Would you say yeah. that it is flashback? Yeah, the first yeah. the first scene is a flashback, and it's like mm-hmm. um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's um, like it's actually him as a ghost, like going back and actually viewing that mm-hmm. yeah. that experience of him dying. Mm-hmm. It plays out more like a dream sequence on us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because he's not dead yet. Like so, like they're like, oh, he's not gonna live much longer. Yeah, yeah it starts it with him like the... dying. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's coming back. 
and then the way they like signify the past with like his ghost with like the coloring schemes Mm -hmm. of like this red magenta hue magenta not magenta mahogany Mm -hmm. yeah and then i think about and then contrasted with like the colors and the brightness or just like it's not tinted (laughs) Mm -hmm. if that's like the best way to describe it because it's not always bright (laughs) no right yeah the movie starts off like the color scheme is like pretty desolate it's just like gray and black of them like in the subway and then officers which is interesting because like ghibli's always been like a target for kids yeah like when people think of ghibli they think of like the lush colors that like spirited away yeah Mm -hmm. from what i've read about the release of grave of the fireflies like they thought it was so depressing that they like had to double bill it with ponyo (laughs) or not ponyo (laughs) my neighbor Tokura, one of Uh, those right yeah because that was out that was out around the same time as yeah yeah and they like had to double bill it so like it would motivate like children to go see both of those films. Cause Ghibli has always been like targeting children. Yeah. It's kind of the same with like Pixar, I guess their mm-hmm. American equivalent question mark where it's like yeah. these films are to target children, but they have very mature themes. Yeah. Right. And even amongst um, like classic staples of like anime films in that era, like Akira, which also deals with like, decently similarly mature themes that's very vibrant and colorful the entire time and this is just like mm-hmm. so so desolate like and so great right in your face so i wonder yeah. what even was like the reaction to it yeah well, i think we always time. view animation as typically happier you know especially mm-hmm. nowadays like there's not i can't think of any animation that right now i'm sure other people can where it's like super depressing from the get-go and doesn't really improve mm-hmm. but definitely nothing u.s produced mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah but yeah i think that's what makes like grave of the fireflies so unique because at the beginning it's just like i died mm-hmm. it it's just kind of just yeah. everything that happens in the film later no matter like you see a lot of there are a lot of happy scenes by themselves but because it's overshadowed by that first sequence with the death it's like it's very moot and very very disappointing because we all know where it's going and it's not good yeah even in scenes even in scenes oh sorry um even in scenes where um the tone is is a bit more jovial like when they're on the beach playing and walking around like that that force of that that violence and like it's it's still it's like it's it's always present like when they're walking on the beach and um setsuko um runs across the dead body and her brother is, is like oh let's like just brushes her off and is like you shouldn't look at that um so it's it's just like a part of like what they're living yeah their existence what they're living through and they just have to accept it and we also have to accept it as audience members yeah. yeah, and I think that's why, like, structurally, like, the way it structures itself as a film, that way, through the flashbacks, and, like, the constant cutting in of, like, their dead, their ghost, or whatever, yeah. is to, like, always remind us as the audience, like, just, like, the outcome in which it is. Like, you can't see it as only... I mean, like, the happy moments are, like, really happy and cheerful but like there's always that looming factor that like yeah it's like the violence got fucked yeah it's like the violence is like the norm and like anything joyful is just like something like quite Mm -hmm. ephemeral in the movie yeah yeah Yeah. exactly yeah it's almost that's the outlet it's like the dominant emotion is not happiness and that's the outlet in which they get to have right it's always it's always a yeah a diversion from mm-hmm. everything else going on yeah. it's not it's always a diversion yeah. i think yeah. that really stands out in like the one of like like the really sad moments like in, right in the beginning other than like when he first like passes away is when mm-hmm. they go to the school and seta is the brother right yeah. i always mix up mm-hmm. their names mm-hmm. seta like just learned that like their mother got like really badly hurt and then they're in the kind of like the desert area oh yeah and and that's setsuko 
is like, I don't know. I don't remember what she heard. I think it was like, oh, it, say dad to tell Setsuko, like, oh, mom's going to the hospital, mm-hmm. quote unquote ho- hospital. And she was like, oh, I really want to see mom. And she got really sad. And then right as like Setsuko is like crying, you see the brother just trying to do like gymnastics to cheer mm-hmm. his sister up. And that's kind of just how this film structures itself similarly of like there's a lot of tragic things going on and they have to like create their own joy to like somehow deal with everything yeah and even then like in that scene like it's all like in the midst of like the desolate like tokyo Mm -hmm. like just barren wasteland Mm -hmm. that's left over what i find interesting is like originally they're super upset but eventually they kind of for lack of a better word, kind of adapt to the 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 really deep seated depression that every everything is going on because like the little girl Setsuko, like you find out that she already knows their mother died. Like Seta has been hiding it the whole time, but she doesn't really react in any way. Like remember when she was uh making a grave for the fireflies. Like she, and she's like, I already know mom died. And like they had to put her in a grave and like, he's super upset that she found out, but she has no physical reaction to it at that point. Kind of shows yeah. like the just numb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Numb to all the stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it just like shows how quick they have to like kind of get over it. And mm-hmm. that's like, and how detrimental that is, especially because, Uh, again i keep going to how like this film structure itself structures itself but it's like you're constantly reminded that these are children i think like i remember watching brave of the fireflies for the first time and being like i understand why setsuko is like cry is the way it is like i thought it was kind of like it's like really loud and it's really childish and it's really like it's i don't like hearing it frankly Mm -hmm. But it's always, like, that reminder that these are, like, really, really young children. And this reminds me of, like, a Fellini film, (laughs) like an animated Fellini. No, Rossellini, Roberto Rossellini. I always mix the two up. It reminds me of a Rossellini film who did, like, Germany Year Zero and Rome Open City, which always taught, it's always, like, it's about the after effects of World War II and, like, how the burden kind of just comes on children who are not prepared mm-hmm. whatsoever to like deal with the after effects or the of, yeah. like of the going ons and that's like grave of the fireflies just reminds me of that completely mm-hmm. especially how it contrasts the film contrasts itself with like these really childish moments with like yeah. the whole grander scheme of things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think also going and talking about um, progression and structure, just seeing how near the beginning, how Setsuko is is crying out for her mom and she wants to see her mom. And then when she's burying the fireflies later on in the film and, and seeing her just so numb to that reality, like that's, that's such a jarring change. That's the way you have to react when you're in that situation is you have to just become numb. You have to become desensitized. Yeah, because it just becomes a matter of survival. Yeah. Wait, there's also say? that scene where I think it's right after Saita comes is released from the police officer and she say Setsuko asks Saita, should we get a doctor to look at you and see where it hurts? But we already know at that point that Set uh Setsuko is sick. Like and in that moment he cries really hard. I think because he knows too just that this little girl who's been like forced to grow up so fast is thinking of him before herself. It's just, it's very sad. And I feel like they actually portray their living pretty well. Like nowhere is it like very explicit other like than when you like see their bodies, like when they lift their shirt up and you see their ribs, it actually looks like they're eating pretty well. Like when they're living in their shelter they had all this food, like the frogs and the fish and everything. But then it's like, okay, it looks like they're doing well, but it's just not good enough as evidenced by when we can see how skinny they are and they're starving to death, basically. Yeah. 
it's almost like it's almost like I don't know if I oh, I'm not gonna even because I read something somewhere but I don't want to quote it because I don't think I'm remembering it correctly but it's like almost like we're kind of seeing it through like Sata's eyes of like kind of he's a child so like he doesn't really have a grasp of like what is enough for him and a child who he like was like forced upon to take care of even more and he doesn't he's too young to really have a job or like understand what a job is I think he's like 14 14. or something like that Mm -hmm. I mean so it's kind of like oh it does kind of you kind of have a point of like saying like it does kind of look like they're like okay like they like try to make the most out of it but it's like not okay and it's not enough if that even made any sense like Zeta wants it to be okay he wants Mm -hmm. it to be enough but it's not ultimately yeah, mm-hmm. like kind of like creating this like false illusion of hope, like for Setsuka, like that he does throughout the whole film by like taking mm-hmm. on the burden of the fact that their mom died and like trying to collect food and then just trying to like maintain like as much morale as possible. But we all know like they're doomed. Mm-hmm. It's just like he like I'm, tries like, to hide the reality away from her. Yeah. And, and but the reality is just so blatant. Yeah. And it's like, reality is like inescapable in this film like the only like real like sense of like emotional freedom that they get is like in like flashbacks and like dream sequences of sorts when it's like when it's they noble were and futile at the same time yeah some rough stuff if you would ask yeah, us. yeah it really is Isaac. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> He's nodding and smirking at himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, this I is know. actually the first time I've seen it. Oh, really? really? <laughs> yeah. Wait, um, whose first time was it seeing it on this? It was mine. Stephanie, Jim, yeah. Isaac. Oh, I watched this in um, junior year of high school. Same. You yeah. know that time where, like, after AP testing, you kind of have, like, that month of, like, mm what do you do now because our education system is stupid and basically we have to train for a test every year but um (laughs) we watched it and like my I sat near my high school teacher's like desk and he always had like I didn't know what it was at the time but he has like that candy drop contain the fruit drop container and we watched it on like a Friday we finished it on like a Friday morning and he's like at the end, everyone's like super sad and depressed, and he goes, "Have a nice weekend," and starts shaking the fucking. Oh my god! This twisting. Oh so that's my. That's what I always remember when I watch this film. I always flash back to that junior year moment when yeah, I no, first I, watched it. We had to like make like a movie list, like for EPUS history, like going in, like regarding like I don't know U.S. involvement in war or something like that. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, well, this seems like relevant. We'll see what it's like. And then, yeah, just brutalized. <laughs> What's wow. interesting was when I read, I was reading stuff about the film on my like half ass internet research, but um, apparently the director doesn't see this film as like an anti war film. Really? That's yeah. Interesting. What do you guys think about that? I might take away. He's like, wrong. Much, no, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously he made it, but like this is very much speaks to me like that. You know, like I don't know, like pro- provides like a personal insight into like the damages of war, especially from like a different perspective that you would normally get. So, like, just seeing how war like can damage like people outside of like the military, I guess. I feel like if you have war within your film, it cannot like simply be a backdrop. Because he, from what I read, he said was like, oh, I just wanted to make a film about children and children enjoying themselves. But like, then why did you, I mean, I can't like argue against him or like Mm -hmm. what he thinks. Because 
the way I interpret his film is probably different than what he sought out to make. But like, yeah, I just feel like you war is such a intense subject. Like putting it as a background makes it inevitable to be yeah. a subject of conversation. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel like it's inherently an anti-war film, but I do think it's a dialogue because like they don't really discuss any of the major stuff that we all, most people know what happened during the war, you know? I mean, it's more of a focus on these individual kids, but I think it's more of a dialogue of like, you know, we know the, there are these big consequences, but you know, there are these tiny ones that we don't necessarily see that change a person's life. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Right. So the dialing down of conflicts into individual people is like, that's something I've talked about in my, I'm taking a Middle Eastern film class. So a lot of the films have war in them or as a backdrop, but dialing conflicts down to like things in between like humanized one person or person to person issues is like, it's very effective. I think in conveying how much war is devastating to a lot of people. So by, would you say like by individualizing it as a story about these two people, it makes it more intimate and specific in a way where I've always like had this idea of like the more specific it is, it seems to be more universal, even though that's like a weird paradox. Mm-hmm. But would you say that is how, so like the film, this film can't, isn't necessarily like, oh, anti-war, like the way like maybe like Platoon or apocalypse now Mm -hmm. I I think it's more like war is not just a battle between like two countries but it's more permeating like it seeps its way throughout society like even these children are affected and it changes everyone because like at the beginning of the film he's in a train station but no one even thinks anything of him they just walk past him, you know? Yeah, like, like it doesn't even cross their minds. So I think mm-hmm. it, that's, like, an example of how deep-seated war penetrates society. And then, you know, the rest of the movie is just more examples of how big of an impact it has on individuals. So, like, by zooming in onto the consequences, it inherently zooms out on them Mm -hmm. yeah like yeah we can relate to people we see on screen it's a lot harder to relate to a country yeah Mm -hmm. and also like war films that are specifically about like the shooting and fighting are like they're not easily relatable and a lot of the times american war films that are like that are like have these weird ulterior ulterior patriotic motives and stuff Right. But when you focus on like that one, that one person, that one child, like the effect of war on normal people is so much more, has so much more depth, I think, than just what it is on the surface. Yeah. Right. Like, and comparatively, know. oh, sorry. Um, comparatively towards other, um, towards other war films, especially American war films, this is uh, very subdued in comparison, I think. And also, like, yeah, I think I think when you look at this film just as like this one insular story of these two kids, making it more about them and their struggle just ends up becoming that own story. Because I, I feel like that's something similar. The same s- story structure could exist in a different context. I think mm-hmm. like this this doesn't necessarily have to be a war movie per se. That's okay. that's more what my interpretation of that of that is. Like I think it is like it is anti-war, but I don't think that's the main takeaway. Like even in the scene where uh Sita's like finding out that uh their mom got like injured, like just the way like she, like it's treated by the doctors, it's like, yeah, here's your mom, and then he just kind of walks away as she's just kind of like another body like sort of deal. Right. But then like it's just like intensely intimate, obviously for Peta because that's his own mom. But like, and people just become numb to the idea of like war and death because it's just like so many people are like passing. Right. And, this movie yeah. is so much more about like personal tragedy than it is about war 
It, there's mm-hmm. never like that one, um, that one grand flashy moment in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Yeah. And I think the yeah. way we know that is like at the very end, it's like he doesn't even know the war is over. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, but he makes a big deal of like, oh, how could we lose? But he didn't even know that it was over. You know, he's more concerned with himself, his sister, mm-hmm. you know, so I think even though it's a dialogue between war and that, it's inherently an individual look, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. I just wanted to know you guys' take because yeah. when I yeah. read that, I was like, interesting. He doesn't yeah. see it as an anti-war film. But I think like just inherently like putting it in the context of war, it kind of just permeates out like... And I guess if you saw it in like a really, really zoomed out lens and generalizing it, you could generalize it as an anti-war film. But I do agree with you guys. It's not I also like think I, we need to look at the time it came out. Like we're like came out in 88. So like the Cold War, is, I mean, it's almost wrapped up by this point. But like I think war is still a lot more in people's minds and Vietnam stuff like that. That's all more fresh. But for in for minds. Japan, they're like modernizing at this point, right? Like they're they're at a point where because like the final the final shot of this film is like zooming out and you see like this metropolis that's like yeah. built Modern. and lit up, right? And looks stable yeah. in comparison to everything that has been seen, and that's always like, been like the dialogue of Eastern. Asian countries is like how quick they modernized after wars mm-hmm. and globalized after war. So there's always, I don't know what it says about that moment, like zooming in that out that way, but I don't necessarily think that I don't know about much about Japanese history, but I don't know if you could say that like war is like completely on their minds. I don't know though. I think it's like simultaneously like the most hopeful and the most tragic shot in like the entire movie because it's like okay this mm-hmm. is what yeah. this is what we're going to this is what we're going to build from like this is where we'll be but like also it took so many of of these personal personal hardships and sacrifices to get there mm-hmm. and it's um, like do these people even remember those right. hardships of getting there because you mo- we had they had to move like so quickly to catch up to the world around them that they kind of just left all these things behind so they can quickly catch up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. yeah so it could like, be so rapidly like that. war becomes like just like history and like the consequences parts. of the war kind of just become yeah, words like, on a textbook rather than like yeah instead of like the millions of like micro conflicts that happen as a result of war mm-hmm. and like that's just like forgotten like so rapidly especially now right. yeah yes especially now yeah uh, I, I almost think it's like a reminder like you know although it's optimistic like we can rebuild and everything but it's like it builds over everything else right yes yeah so exactly. i feel like it's important like perhaps that's one of the messages he's getting across is we need to remember what came before. Remember, you know, these hardships. Yeah. Because remember, like, the again. emotionality yeah. of it, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I think when we like, I don't know about you, but like, we didn't, we, we, we didn't live through like the tragedies of like those big wars. And, but there must've been like huge emotional impacts on that we just can't relate to in a way. And I think maybe this film is trying to get at that, like emotionally connect us to history. So we still remember like how deeply like tragic these events were. So we don't repeat them again. Mm -hmm. Like also not an expert on Japanese history, but it's like, yeah, the film was only made like 40 years, like after Mm-hmm. World War Two, and it's like mm-hmm. kind of perhaps like reminded of like how quickly like generationally like mm-hmm. trauma is forgotten, and like the world just moves on. But like these things still happen, and they can't happen again. Because like reading it, reading about it is like only so much. It's like 
kind of cold to like yeah. just read something about it and be like, Oh, we'll never do that again. Like, but if you can like really feel the emotional impact and mm-hmm. I mean, we can never relate to what those people went through, but like even getting an ounce of relation could maybe influence someone to like change their way of thinking or something like that. I mean, considering Joel, you watched this in high school. I watched it in high school. I know a lot of other people who watched this in high school. Yeah. <laughs> so might've done its job. I just still find it fascinating. You know, like Ghibli is targeted for like younger children. And then you have something kind of like this. I, yeah. I would just be really curious if you like showed this to a six year old, if like how they would respond. Oh yeah. Especially like without having like any historical context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, like, I'm going to bring in my summer class I've been taking, which is children's literature. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been learning, like, there's this big debate whether kids are, like, naturally good and we need to shelter them and protect them. Or if we need to introduce these really difficult subjects in a controlled environment, you know, and get them thinking about those complex ideas. Because mm-hmm. uh, essentially what the argument is for like children's literature is like, if we give them to this, they learn how to cope with it. And we give them the tools to cope with more difficult stuff later on. Yeah, and I did a project on historical fiction. So I also feel like it falls under this where it's like, this is a way to introduce the reader or the watcher in this case to like a time period but also get them like interested. So like, I'm sure like American audiences, you know, the kids definitely are going to be a little bit more interested in this or at least, you know, get them thinking about it. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's that side of the debate as well. And also like when I watched it, I just was perhaps just being a dumb high schooler, but just completely unaware of like us firebombing of all of japan like before the yeah like i had no idea it's like what they just thought was just like yeah we had to nuke them because they were bad and then like (laughs) we nuked them to be like no we're better than you yeah (laughs) yeah no it's just like odd how the u.s freaks out about nuclear attacks yet we're the only ones who have dropped a nuclear bomb in war yeah and we created a grave for fireflies Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah Stephanie what were you before we started this you were talking about like the relationship between Setsuko and Seita like the difference between Japanese audiences and American audiences yeah so this was just on the Wikipedia page but it was just that a typically Asian American audience or Asian audiences and would like understand Seta's decision to not go back to his aunt, whereas most American audiences apparently were like, they didn't understand. They were like, I don't get it. Why didn't you just go back to your aunt? That was clearly a better idea. And it's just, it, that speaks to how in Asian culture, pride is very important. And so like the Asian audiences were more inclined to understand why Seta decided not to, go back and he chose to literally be homeless instead of um like apologizing Mm -hmm. which was interesting to me yeah i mean kind of context of what you were just saying because this stemmed out of a conversation we had before we started the pod where it was like we were talking about how you saw a negative review on letterboxd about this film um where someone was like oh this isn't accurate to the life or the person's life this film portrays right and basically the difference that the ending was a cop-out the ending yeah the the reviewer said the ending was a cop-out because they killed off Seta. oh my god Seta! i'm so sorry concussion break. Or i guess the <laughs> beginning is a cop-out yeah where they kill yeah. off Seta because this film is based off someone's real life and he survived and he survived with the the guilt. Yeah. He survived Mm -hmm. with the guilt of his sister dying where Seta doesn't. 
And so the reviewer was basically saying like, oh, that like, is it was like too simple, I guess. I don't know. I didn't read it. It was like that it was a cop out and that like the fact that Seta doesn't, I guess, live with the guilt and face the consequences of his actions. Like it takes away from the meaningfulness of the story and that it's just sentimental for sentimentality's sake, but not actually having any real meaning. Mm-hmm. And then so... I wonder if, you know, we get, like, I'm assuming some kind of time skip between Seta in the train station and, you know, his sister dying. I wonder if we had seen what happened after that, that maybe it would be less of a sentimental issue, I guess. I mean, I think you always kind of... I see that through line... It's not like apparent, apparent that Santa feels guilt, but there is a through line, at least for me, when I watched it, where it felt like there was like this understanding of, like as an audience, there was kind of this understanding of this back and forth that Santa goes through of like putting his pride in place or not. Or yeah, if that made sense. It, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, if you just like, I don't know, because it doesn't necessarily out like the film doesn't necessarily outright blame Seta for the death of his sister, but it there's lingering of moments of like, and maybe again this goes back to like different audiences and the way we were raised in a culture, but there is like moments, at least for me, there are moments where you kind of like, well, why doesn't he go back? you know, but I don't necessarily think that makes for a worse film that they just killed him, if that makes sense. Yeah. I kind of viewed it as he lost the will to live, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I hear that sentence, I think of Star Wars and that's not <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I feel like the film doesn't really place like an exact blame on like whose fault it is as to why like said to go died and said that mm-hmm. died. I think if anything, you just kind of come out of it of like it's a really complicated situation of what's going on. And I think over anything, I feel like there should I mean they again this goes back to how this fucking film was structured. These people were like children. So like to say like oh this nine 14 year old needs to live with the guilt. Like, he has had 14 years to live. You don't yeah. learn how to raise a child. No. In when you're still years. a child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it goes back to that whole, he's numb to those kind of emotions. I mean, the whole thing is overshadowed. Like, right when she dies, right? Like, that one family gets back home to their, like, huge-ass house, right? Mm-hmm. Across the water, right? So, like... I that wouldn't say it necessarily takes up. away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it takes away from the death. I feel like it's more, it goes back to like how, you know, war impacts everything differently, I guess. Can you like <laughs> actually imagine though, like watching your younger sibling die when you're, I guess, mostly too young to understand what that responsibility actually is. And then like growing older and realizing what you indirectly did mm-hmm. like gosh that must be so awful mm-hmm. and i think the way this film kind of deals with it as it's not a cop-out is like the way it structures itself it's literally him revisiting like what he did so there's always that looming idea of like let me revisit and see what kind of what happened you know so i don't necessarily see it as a cop-out that he passed away in like the first few minutes of the film i don't i don't either that's just like it was an interesting thought that i i thought that i that i read just like the difference between the real story and what the movie chose to do Mm -hmm. how do you feel like what we're talking about now involving him living with um that guilt or not do you think that at all connects to like it, like it, if if we're talking about whether that changes um, 
the message or the themes of the movie at all. Do you think that would also change whether or not this is or isn't an anti-war film? Mm. Very hard question. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like him dying makes it more tragic, honestly, because it feels like it's more out of their control than if he had survived, you know, two kids dying make, and, you know, it just seems like, you know. I think him surviving would have made it explicitly more anti-war. Would I say that hesitantly? I think the letterbox review, I might have to go back and look at it again. It wasn't that the message, it was the particular review. I don't think his argument was that the message changed because Seita died. It was that the stakes of the movie were, um, made irrelevant because Seta died. Like the guilt is it like was. Tony? Is it two out of five stars? It's the first, the most popular bad review on Letter. It didn't take me that long to find it. I was just scrolling through. Yeah, it is two and a half stars and it's yeah. like really long. It's by Tony. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I think his argument was that without the guilt, there was no stakes which was an interesting argument to me and I don't, I, I disagree. But to, as far as if Seta surviving changed the meaning of the film by making it more anti-war, I, I don't know. It's I not like, Tony, it's the critic Mike D'Angelo. Is it? It's Sorry, supposed to be Tony, says, Tony says a lot of the same things and I feel like we kind of argued against all of his points already. Oh, the one I see is like calling this an anti-war oh, it's movie Mike. is absurd. Yeah. In theory, it's an anti-idiocy movie, but the director bungles even that, turning both kids into martyrs for whom our hearts are meant to bleed. Multiple sources report that the author of the source novel wrote it to apologize for it in effect having killed his little sister and that would have been a generally heartbreaking tale of the many ways in which this movie achieves precisely the opposite effect the most whatever egregious whatever sorry is informing us at the outside significantly that Seta starved to death as well shortly thereafter relieving him of the lifetime of guilt that inspired the novel in the first place you know what would have been more tragic if we found out he was still trying to survive on the on his own and he just wasn't able to survive you know i mean we don't know the circumstances but like i feel like the book is or sorry why am i saying book <laughs> movie is really somewhat idealized you know like a lot of things that could be worse seem to be through a child's point of view, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, he's probably, st- I mean, he ends up dying. He's probably starving too, but we never get a sense of that really from him either. So I don't know. I think like the main argument against that idea is like how explicitly this film is just like showing that these are children. I don't know. You can't like be like blaming children. <laughs> For like yeah. not understanding a really complicated world that they're forcibly really quickly to thrust in upon. Yeah, I kind of think that like. I think it would have made a more complicated film mm-hmm. if they didn't kill off Seta, and you would kind of like explore more of that guilt. I would I would agree with that. It would have made a much more complicated film but I don't necessarily think it makes it bad no, or bland or not heartbreaking. Yeah. I still cry. I saw the opening no. scene. Cynthia, I you... saw the opening scene and I was like, Oh no, this is going to be sad. Yeah. Cynthia, you said, you said that um, if he had stayed alive, that would be, that would make him more explicitly anti-war. You think? I say that hesitantly. Like my gut reaction is to think that way. Would it even though? I don't know. I think it's how it, it would be portrayed. Yeah, I'd have to see it. If, yeah. if it's still like Satan narrating if he survived and everything, and he's maybe like, I don't know, telling a story to his grandkids or something. Actually, mm, I take that back. Because if he survived more, he 
because the whole idea of like him surviving is like and the reason that the novel exists is like him kind of grappling with the fact that he might have killed his sister and like the choices he made during wartime might have killed his sister but i don't know i don't know i I said that but it's now i don't know yeah i feel like it might even turn the film into more of like way more inner like interior yeah right that's what yeah i'm sorry joel i feel like i keep cutting you off you can can go for you can go first and i'll say my thing okay uh i feel like i don't know just to get to the point where we're actively like blaming or it's even a debate of whether or not it's Seth's fault that Setsuko died like kind of makes it an anti-war film in itself and that the fact that there's a debate of whether or not that a child is the reason yeah. why their sister died when the context of it all like had is, war never even occurred this wouldn't be happening exactly yeah like their mom died as a result of this in the US at all Really, no. other than Correct. the plane, like I don't think it's explicitly said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have a really good point about that, Joel. Like us debating that even if it is his fault, like it's like these things probably would not have happened. Yeah, if some other country decided to bomb the shit out of the another country. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. Like regardless, these people should not have been put into into the situation to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no. like. Like, yeah, Seta probably didn't make the right, well, yeah, didn't make the right decision there. Um, I mean, you can argue that, but but yeah, he's still a kid. Shouldn't have had to. He shouldn't yeah. have to. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. After he saw I think that's like mother. the biggest thing. It's like, I think that's why a lot of people see it kind of as an anti-war film. Yeah, you're right. Totally. It's like, well, we're just showing you what had to, like what happened when war happened. But like, what it it shouldn't have to have gone to that situation yeah story is not about war it's about these two kids mm-hmm. but by proxy it makes a statement on the war because mm-hmm. of what the kids have to go through yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah and it's not like they come from like a poor family i mean their dad seems like he has a very a large position of power you know and this still happens to them yeah Though it's still comments on class, especially that scene in which those people from the house literally like kind of left and then they came back when the war ended. Yeah. We talk about the the candy thing, I guess, and its symbolism through the film. Because in the beginning, uh, here are just my two cents on that. But in the beginning, we find Seta's dying and he's clutching this candy tin this empty candy tin that's been the paint has been like chipped off and everything and we don't know it at the time but the tin has his sister's ashes in it mm-hmm. um and the, the the janitor that finds him like checks it out and then we enter the dream sequence or the spirit sequence where he's alive and then the candy tin is good as new and it's full of candy again and to me, that was just because it pops up multiple times in the film because Setsuka loves the the, t- the candies. And whenever she's upset, Seda will give her a candy and everything will be OK for a little bit. And it was just what I noticed immediately was that right off the bat, you know that that candy tin is temporary. Like that is not going to last forever. And they just continually dump candy out until one time, like one day they dump the last bit of it out. And there isn't any left. Mm-hmm. And like, and especially as a symbolism for, it's a symbolism of Setsuko to Seta, I think. Because he, obviously he knows that his sister likes these candies. And the fact that he still keeps the tin among all their possessions that they did have, like to his like dying breath, is like, with it literally his sister inside, is just so like, every time I think back on it, like the very, the image of the, old tin can becoming the new tin can as we enter the the spirit sequence with their bodies and their ghosts i guess is just so it's it's so powerful to me because it's like oh no they're gonna run out of candy at some point and that's just like a metaphor for like their livelihoods it's going to end at some point and we already know that 
It's also symbolic, I think, of of Seta literally carrying the guilt of of his sister's death. Jim, why would you say that? <laughs> Stephanie's gonna cry again. <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. Oh my god. He's literally carrying his sister's ashes around in a tin can that like meant so much to her. Oh my goodness. This movie, man. Please. Oof. We should take a couple minutes to shit on the aunt, too. I hated her. She was awful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was really a fault. Nobody's talking about her. (laughs) (laughs) We cannot go. We can't finish this without shitting on the aunt for a little bit. That character (laughs) is, like, probably the most cartoonish in this film. Uh For a film that, like, had create like really two complicated characters that character is just I, I i wonder what the sentiment at the time was though at the same time though because it's like you kind of are like in a situation i mean she's she's fucking the worst but awful but it might speak to like how what like the desperation was at that time yeah where it's like he's also I had to like just take in two new people and like food is getting rationed. I can barely feed my own family. Da, 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 you know? Yeah. So well, it's like as I understand it, the frustration like, of everything, but at the same time, she's kind of the worst. I think she like, I think what was, or what I thought was implied was that she was taking, she like took advantage of the supplies that, she got from Seda, Seda and Setsuko, like, the rice from the kimono she gave to her own daughter and husband first. And the way that she kept guilting, guilt again, guilting Seda into not, like, doing his part for their country mm-hmm. and, like, making him feel bad because he wasn't doing, they were, like, she, make, he was, she was making them feel like she was giving them handouts which is just another instance of these unrealistic expectations being put yeah, on children. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, like, he, he shouldn't have to do anything to be fed. He's, he's 14, and he already said his school was bombed and the place he was working at prior to the, the film had also been shut down. And he has to take care of his sister and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. just another example of unrealistic expectations being put on children. It's mm-hmm. like kind of showing the idea that yeah going to what you said stephanie about unrealistic expectations but it's also like you're putting something that was not caused by these children and now you're putting this like whole burden onto them even though they are not at fault of how this war started or how it was created i was merely playing devil's advocate of like it could be also like just a showing of like the whole nation frustration at the same time. But yeah, she's kind of, she's definitely like, there's definitely that mentality towards the end of wars from like this film. And then I don't want to bring Rosalini back in, but there's kind of that like mentality of like, well, now the burden is on these children. To be fair, she doesn't kick them out. They leave of their own accord. Oh, I don't want to get in this debate again. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but she's still awful. She, like, manipulates the shit out of them. <laughs> and she, like, told Setsuko that her mom was dead when Seta explicitly told her, I'm not telling Setsuko yet. Like, what a, like, breach of trust. Like, that is not hers to tell. That is Seta's to tell, not her. Although. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, like, when Setsuko said that her aunt had told her, I was, like, first I was, like, oh, my God. Yeah, Seitsuko didn't have a reaction, which is what we already talked about. But, like, what the fuck? Why? You are so bad for telling your niece that her mother is dead without the, like, permission of her older brother who, like, explicitly requested that that not be a thing. Yeah. And, And, okay, he says she's in the graveyard, right? The cemetery? But didn't they toss her body in the pit with all the other bodies and burn it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You really be trying to make the best out of things. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, he's he does that the entire movie with her. The whole entire yeah. movie. And that's, I think, I don't know where I was going with that. Never mind. <laughs> that's why, that's why I think, I think if, if the ending were changed and he had been kept alive like that, that would have been so heart wrenching. Cause it's like, you can tell it's just like this kid and all this, all this blame and burden is being placed onto him. And it's like, then at the very end, he has to like sit and deal with all of that and know that he could have, like he, 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 might have been the cause of his sister's death when he was really trying. <laughs> he was really trying to do everything to to keep his sister safe and the better his situation. Parallel yeah. between like reality and what Seta wanted. Like what a parallel. Those those two things those two opposing forces are always there, but reality wins. Mm-hmm. Right. Sadly, yes. Sad movie. Real sad. Mm-hmm. As like all of our reactions on Letterboxd have displayed. Yes, very sad movie. Yeah. Thanks, Isaac. Yeah, fuck you, Isaac. Take <laughs> another one. Yeah. Cool. Um, What's up? Shin's list, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What just about gonna... the boy in the striped pajamas. Mm. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so sad movie. I hear that one's like a little problematic, though. I don't know. I've also heard that one's a little problematic. Uh, yeah, but I have seen it, and like it was sad. And Asa Butterfield is is good. No, I've not. I have not seen it. So I've read the book, and then after reading the book, I decided I'm not watching the movie ever. Is the oh. I've not read the book. Is it also sad? Yeah, I've heard the the book is slightly more sad than than the movie. Movie Let's pick a happy film next time. Yeah. Uh, Egypt. <laughs> I mean, that's it's on Hulu. <laughs> we could. I think it's a great movie, and I have I I could talk about it for a really long time. Why not? Tune in next time. <laughs> well, yeah. that's um, about Graves of Firefly. Grave yeah. of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. Grave of the Fireflies, and I think we're all drained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depressing. What a great first movie to yeah. get back into the swing of things, right? Really? Yeah. If we sound like not like we didn't make sense throughout that whole podcast, um, sorry. <laughs> that probably did happen. <laughs> huh? I said just watch the movie. On Hulu. Yeah, tissues. Be prepared. Watch it subbed, not dubbed. Yeah. If you watch yeah. dubbed, you're you're a bad Ooh. person. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, think, read subtitles. I, think, <laughs> uh, I, I think. Wait, did you? Oh my god! Oh god! Isaac. Jeez. Well, we're wrapping up here. We gotta, we gotta talk to Isaac. <laughs> I'll watch it again in sub. Okay. Cool. <laughs> You suggest an anime movie, and you're the only one that watches it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you're the only one that watches it dubbed. I was doing they homework at the same time. Oh, it wasn't well, even worth your damn oh, attention. Worse, huh? worse. I have a midterm tomorrow. Oh, I don't care. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, dang. <laughs> at 8.30. Oh, gosh. Project due tonight that I'm going to use late days on because I took time to watch this movie this morning. <laughs> I don't have late days, so... As you can tell, our summers are going great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much purpose, really. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you guys make me very happy I'm not doing summer quarter. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like the movie, My Hope Died. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it never existed. <laughs> it was an illusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a very stressful difficult time for everybody so us at film club we all sincerely hope that you are staying safe and staying healthy and staying home thanks mark yeah yeah just 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 wear a mask vote wear a mask social distance you motherfuckers mm-hmm. <laughs> listen to this podcast <laughs> maybe we'll spark some joy in this difficult time yeah, you can yeah. probably laugh at our horrible takes but it's okay yeah, yeah. or um, um, brighten your day with this movie Mm-hmm.
Yeah, no, I, <laughs> if you want to watch this movie, we recommend it, but we understand if it's you do not want to. It's a great, but one. it's devastating. It's yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Double Bill with like Tree of Life. Yeah. Double Bill, like, yeah. they, are, like they did it in 1988 with My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> oh, facts. Yeah. If you want to see a My Neighbor Totoro episode, I don't know, let us know somehow. <laughs> I think you, you can comment on our, yeah, you, 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 yeah. you can comment on our on our SoundCloud. Um, yeah. Or where else, Jim? You know? Review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and Spotify. And then you can find our Facebook at UW Film Club and our Instagram and Twitter at Film Club UW. And is there anything else, guys? We'll hopefully have an update on Film Club. Yeah, if you're listening um when this comes out or um before autumn quarter starts you obviously already know that autumn quarter will be um hybrid slash remote with less than 10 percent of in in person classes as of um july 23rd Uh um (laughs) number looks like it might decrease though i believe it'll more than likely decrease um Mm -hmm. to zero percent in person yeah Yeah, which you know it, it, it that's how it should be right now yeah. Once again, I hope you all are doing very well, doing your best, and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye bye. Woo! <laughs>